Hi, my name is Stevie Ray Kazi. And I'm Gretchen SB. And you're listening to Exceptionally Average Authors Explain It All. Where two exceptionally average authors talk about stuff. No, but it's like a serious question, Stevie. Like, all of my Christmas presents, about half of them are from Amazon because I'm apparently unoriginal in my shopping. And I've gotten Amazon packages delivered at two different times today. You would think that if all of the Amazon packages were coming from like the local warehouse or whatever, that they'd all be one trip or one, I don't know, delivery and that they'd only do it once versus me opening my door every four or five hours and letting the semi not cold air out because I keep getting Amazon packages. It's insane. Yeah, I, I, I'm I really think that they were your distribution. I want like I think of it. So I have to drive by the Safeway distribution all the time to drop my dog off at daycare. And I kind of think of it like mm-hmm. There's 17 different Safeways and they're all coming from the same distribution, but they're on different trucks. And there's probably something about like when you order it and how it goes through their back system, which I think Mm -hmm. which I think is going to translate really well later when we talk about advertising, because behind the scenes of Amazon and how all of that works is an enigma. (laughs) Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, like we're, we're doing the best we can with the information we have. But yeah, it's kind of advertising is very much like that, that whole package situation where you're like, I'm letting out all of the heat, which you know, is every dad's complaint because heat costs money and we're not here to heat the neighborhood. And advertising is very much like that same scenario of like, oh, I'm letting in so much heat and like, which package is this? And why didn't they all come at the same time? And Reporting, just, yeah, all of it is like that. I just want them to come at the same time, Stevie. I have so many Amazon boxes in my house right now. Oh and yeah, I don't know if you saw my post on Instagram. That's amazing. I don't know if you saw my post on Instagram with my dog in the box, and I was saying like what? the box harvest was good this year. This is out my kids' one's favorite season because. Even though we're pretty low-key with how the holidays are happening, my husband has a large family, and they're like, yay, kids, which is wonderful. But sometimes we never know what's coming. So, you know, we've got a spaceship box in my living room right now, and that, it has a gun and everything. Sometimes I stack them into castles. I actually made a castle and put all of my son's toys in it, and they were, like, captured by, he's in a Mario so they were captured by Bowser in the castle no. and he had to save it. Yeah. So so we get really creative with our boxes. Um sometimes I'll also That's make like a castle cute. and put dogs in it before you find it. Oh yeah. And it's a good way to get them to clean up too. Like you gotta go save go save your toys from Bowser and put them wherever the wherever Mario puts things to be safe. I don't know. He doesn't seem to be very good at it so far. Mario. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, I just I just think of how often he seems to misplace the princess. Just, <laughs> since the 80s. He should not be in charge of the princess, I think is what we should have learned. I want, well, I don't know if you know, but there's like a music series and what Hey Mario is one of my son's favorite songs. And it's to our listeners, it's not necessarily appropriate for your children to listen to. But <laughs> We make the choices that we make, and he liked that it had the little ching from the coins, and he didn't, 
I'm not sure that he knows that the Ching is like bleeping out certain that they use noises from the video game to bleep out swears. So that's fine. But he's anyway, young. he's not. Yeah, he, apparently, yeah. Mario has a whole album about how he's bad at chasing the princess because she's obviously not interested. <laughs> Get a clue. It's really good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He. Yeah. He's like. It's fun. I'll send it to you. You'll like it. <laughs> Excellent. But yes. So yeah, from boxes to Mario and back again. Yeah. And basically, I just keep that going back conversation to is how Amazon feels in the background. So that whole conversation where you're like, "Well, this was fun, but I'm not sure how we got here." <laughs> <laughs> well, I had the most adult conversation with my husband. Well, by the time this airs, it won't matter. But we bought my dad like a weed I don't know what you'd call it but you like it's, it's almost like a weed shovel it's a specialty type of thing for yanking weeds so that he doesn't have to bend down as much anymore and mm-hmm. it, it came in this box that like my you know 90 pound rottweiler could like stretch out completely in and still have space right like the box was Why? huge I don't know and my husband was like what what is this and I was like uh a christmas present came in the box he goes why why is it so big and i go part of me wants to keep it and he's like why because it's a really good box and it's really big and that might come in handy and he's like where are we going to keep it and we're having this discussion and we're both making identical like expressions at each other like no really it's a good box i understand it's a good box but what are we going to do with it and so finally we had to break it down but he broke it down and it's been sitting next to our recycling bin for a week and a half now inside. He hasn't brought it outside to recycle it. So I don't know what's like, are we keeping it? And we're just, and it's a surprise. I don't know. I felt I old. think you should take it back and put it back together there and give it back to the dog. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You should do all of that. But first you should wrap it and give it to your dog for Christmas, but don't tell your husband. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Just on- just on Christmas Day, let your dog open this box that all it is is this box that he pulled out and broke down. <laughs> then please take video of his reaction for me. I mean, today is technically supposedly her birthday. Happy birthday. Here's a box. That one. <laughs> She'll be like, I don't know what to do with this. It's scary because she's kind of afraid of boxes. So... Other than receiving lots of gifts for your kiddos, what have you been up to? I'm least deep in these revisions for Quarantine with a Beast. The editor had some really great feedback and a couple of suggestions, and I took that and went, ooh, this will be fun. And my husband pointed out as I was describing how I was going to fix the things, I was like, they gave me the best ideas. And he goes, okay. That's a rewrite, not an edit, which is true, but I'm doing it. So I'm, I'm working on that. I finished the relaunch of my trilogy and just relaunched the prequel, and that's gone really well. I got some new reviews and some really cool feedback. Um, we launched the, which you were part of too, the Paper Flower Consortium Christmas Special. Yay! I had such a good time, and I hear that um, the feedback on that is very positive. And I've been avoiding Chapter 3 of King's Prisoner. (laughs) How long have you been avoiding King's Prisoner now? I haven't actually... Okay, so I actually got... The last time we talked, I only had Chapter 1 up, I think. Chapter 2 has gone up on Inkshares, and I have the... I have an outline for Chapter 3, I have two outlines. I have a what happens outline and I have a like emotional state outline. 
because I'm working with the emotions thesaurus and it's super cool. And so I have most of what needs to be said down. It's just how it is said needs to change. And I'm avoidant to that because it feels like revisions. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a little bit too much work for me right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so I have decided to take the next couple of, of I say next couple of days because Christmas is coming. But really, I'm trying to finish the edits because that's the first thing to do. And then breathe a sigh of relief and then come back to the table on everything else. Because I'm not used to working on so many projects at once. Yeah, you can get overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. I have that cycle where I'm like, push, 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 push. Okay, now I need to sleep for like three days. (laughs) And now we're back. Mm -hmm. So I'm right. I'm right at the edge of like that peak where you're about to go like, oh, snap, it's going to go down and we're going to sleep for three days. But it's cool because at the end of it, I'll have figured out a plot hole or something. Yeah, that's a plus. As long as you know there's going to be a good outcome. Yeah, I mean, sleep stimulates neurogenesis, so let's go. It's it's sleep, diet, learning, and exercise. And, you know, connectivity, because oh, you can't learn it outside of safe and social. So, But what are you guys up to? Since we last spoke, I had the... I didn't quite do a launch for the second box set that I had for my clean romances. I instead put the first one of the two on sale for 99 cents. It's normally $4.99. Uh, it went, the price went back up the day before we're actually recording this episode. Cause we're recording this episode pretty uh, far away from when it's going to be live. And I used several companies and stuff like that, which we'll talk more about later in the episode. And so I I was on top of that. I believe in the last episode we did that I had already finished the short story, the Jazz Bond short story. And I sent it off to my beta readers and I finally got the first feedback from my three beta readers. And she said that she absolutely loved it and that it was really great, but it felt too short not that it felt like an incomplete story she just would have loved to see the world fleshed out more and she wanted more of it which is a good problem to have but at the same time i don't want people being like "Eh, it's too short we'll see what the other ones say i'm just kind of like hoping for the best i also signed a contract with that serialized website whose name i'm not going to say because i'm not 100 percent sure according to the contract if you're supposed to mention that you have a contract with them so i'm just not gonna say who they are and i'm the way that that contract works is you get a like a signing bonus once you get thirty thousand words and then you get a bonus if you upload chapters every day and then you get a percentage when it goes behind a paywall and then you get paid when the story's complete so i have written three or four chapters of that since we last spoke and I edited mm-hmm. lightly edited one and put it up on the website and I need to go through the others and my goal we'll see is to get two or three chapters done a day between now and the end of the year so that I can have them all up as a uh, pre-release for the month of January that way I will hit that mm-hmm. 30,000 mark and the uh, updating every day mark in the same month and then get money for that finances for that we we will see how that goes but i i have some hope because i i have been doing relatively short 
chapters for me, which has been a really interesting exercise in writing chapters shorter than I normally do. So we'll we'll see how that goes. That sounds stressful and super exciting. I can't wait to hear more about how that goes. One last thing that I've been doing recently is that our last two episodes that I think you guys have listened to, we have had an actual sound editor editing for us. So that's been really exciting. It takes me six to eight hours to do one of our episodes each week. And that was cutting into my writing time since I am working from home in a day job. So we have a uh, professional editor that's been doing that for us. I love her. She is so fast. Like she is, she's great. And when she has questions, she just reaches out and is like, hey, Gretchen, ah, like she's fantastic. And it has given me so much extra time instead of editing our episodes, which I really appreciate. Uh, once I get the final files from her, I just go in and I edit for time. You know, I cut out little sections to make sure that we're around the 34 to 37 minute mark, like usual, minus our nano episodes. It's been really great having a professional editor. It's been fabulous. Oh, that sounds amazing. That's Gotta be such a big thing off your plate. It is, especially since my my internet is kind of spotty sometimes. So we're doing a one-off episode to talk to you about marketing, especially marketing in the holiday season, because Stevie and I actually have two different marketing campaigns, one each, going right now. And we thought, since we're in the thick of it, it, that now would be the best time to talk to you guys about what exactly goes into marketing, especially during the holiday season. Stevie will definitely jump in if I'm wrong and with her two cents, but marketing during the holiday season is definitely a little bit more difficult. Yeah, the consensus that I've heard is that it is super hard. And this is my first time marketing consistently through the holiday season because again, marketing is still pretty new to me. But yeah, I've seen and I saw it right before Thanksgiving and went, oh, here we go. Yeah, it's it's more expensive. There's more people trying to advertise. There's more people purchasing things like it is just a, a more difficult endeavor than, say, June or July. Plus, I've heard this mentioned before in different forums, and I don't know how true this is because it's, you know, third hand knowledge. But one of the reasons the ads are more expensive is because all of the marketing guru firms are throwing extra money at marketing because they're reaching that end of the year. So you know, mm-hmm. the money that's been in the budget all year that they haven't reached might getting be thrown at now. Again, I don't know if that's true. It would definitely make sense with what we see on our end. Right. But it, it it's definitely a, a difficult time of year to advertise. And we wanted to preface that before we actually got into the meat and potatoes of marketing. So Stevie has been running some Amazon ads and been doing multiple generations and has really been seeing some good stuff. And I had a book on sale. So we got two different sides of the same coin. And I think that hearing from Stevie first on how she set up her ads is going to be more important because I am not good at Amazon ads. (laughs) Hearing how Stevie's been doing, I think will give you guys sort of a a better picture than me. Stevie, walk us through exactly what you've been doing this fall, especially recently now that we're in the holiday season when it comes to your ads, because I think you're on second or third generation ads, correct? I just started my second generation ads and I put a big push into it this fall and winter, knowing that I was kind of shooting myself in the foot because I re-released my series and I re-released it rapidly, but I did it during the holiday season. So 
I managed to have not a great idea of how ads are doing and not a great idea of how my series is doing because of those two things. However, I do have enough information to say that what I've learned about advertising since the fall is paying off. And I'm excited to see what that looks like once we have this part of the biz behind us where where we're launching into the new year and people aren't saving everything for their Christmas lists and so on. But the first thing I did is I focused on, of course, I have the one series and then the first book out on the second series. I ran a couple of automated ads where, you know, Amazon decides where to put it for the retelling, The Weaver's Son, just because it tends to be a more popular book. And that's all I did with that one. And because it does tend to be a more popular book, I haven't had to touch it too much more because we're still just experimenting and learning. We're not making profit yet, right? Uh, I found with that one, surprisingly, I do pretty well in the UK in paperback, which is different. So a lot of what I'm learning is different countries have different marketplaces, even though they're all Amazon. The bestsellers lists are different, what's popular. And that makes a lot of sense if you think about it for more than a second. But I think a lot of us who are just overwhelmed with ads, we go in and we're like, okay, here's the US and we did that. We'll just apply all these same keywords to those other countries. And sometimes that can work. But I find that I do better if I'm researching in the country that I'm advertising in specifically. So that was my my first big takeaway. And that was done through Gen 1 ads. Gen 1 ads are generally pretty broad. And you're just, you're throwing in relatable, you know, things that are in your genre. I write YA fantasy, so I'm not going to advertise in self-help, even though I have some like emotional intelligence stuff in there, still not going to advertise in self-help because the people that are doing that are making advertising really hard for all of us. Just there's my little soapbox and now I'm off it. Gen 2 ads are, you let the Gen 1 ads run for like a month and I have a whole bunch of, I can't even tell you how many ads I have right now without looking it up because I, throughout this process, I'm adding more Gen 1 ads because part of what happens with Amazon is you can't just put in one ad and let it sit and think you're cool because the way that the platform decides how to spend your money, whether to spend your money, how much of your money to spend is through how much interaction you have with it. So every time that I start a new ad, I'm telling Amazon that I'm serious about my series and Amazon only wants to show the people who are going to make it look like a valid business. Same as anyone else, right? You don't, you don't get the, the home staple books put on the front of the bookstore at Barnes and Noble either. So what do you, what are you willing to put into it? The more you trigger it, the more you interact with it, the more traction you get. And that has shown true in all of my tracking since October that you can see the times where I was not keeping up with it. And you can see that it tanked. Well, I was gone, even though the ads were running with as much success as they seemed to be. The impressions were good. The clicks were good. It just wasn't as fast. It wasn't getting in in front of as many people, even though my spend was up because I'll put $100 a day on there and they don't ever spend that much. The key to getting them to spend more of it is to keep making more ads. But that scares a lot of people. So they don't. I've spent across since October between the US, the UK and Australia less than $100 total, even though every single one of my ads is at $100 a day spend or more. So they're really serious when they say they're they're probably if your bid clicks, if your clicks for bids are low, are not going to spend that much. I tried it. They said it was right. And I didn't believe them. But it is right, guys. 
And and I just started Gen 2. So after you let the Gen 1s run for about three months, you go through and see what got clicks, what got sales. And then you go to their pages and you see what else other people are reading. And you use those keywords. You tweak them a little bit to be more specific in the platform. And you let them run. And that's the stage I'm in right now, just in the U.S. I haven't done Gen 2 ads for the U.K. or Australia yet because I started them at different times. I have to say that knowing like what's been published recently that applies to my books is one of the side effects of doing ads that I hadn't considered. I am a lot more well-versed in what what readers might read besides my stuff because of all the research I've put into ads. That makes sense. That would be a natural product. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm liking it. You know, I like to learn stuff. Well, who doesn't like to learn stuff? I have a I have a special attachment to learning. <laughs> <laughs> So how about you? What have you been doing? (sighs) Okay, my big marketing push was for my Lantern Lake box set. The first one, it is a winter in Lantern Lake, and it has books one through three in it. There are a couple of things that are weird with box sets. So if you're on Goodreads or Barnes and Noble or any of that stuff, they count collections and short stories as part of the series, as long as you say it's in the series. On Amazon, if it doesn't have a specific number, it doesn't count as part of the series. So what was happening was that people, the first time I put this on sale back in May, people bought the first book. And then they, if they happened to look in the back of the book, it had, you know, here are the next books in the series. And then they would, you know, buy some or all of them. And if you happen to be on that web page, it like the web page, the Amazon page for the book, you wouldn't see anything else. So the first thing I did when I decided that I was going to try to put ads out for the holiday season was I put up the pre-order for the second box set, which is books four through seven. And once that was up for pre-order, I linked them because Amazon on the back end started this new thing where you can manage your series. And it says that you can add things to a series, but they won't might not show up on the series page and all this. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start a new series. I'm going to call it the Lantern Lake Collections series. It'll just be the five books of collections in this series. And then when people are looking at it, they'll see, oh, it's book one of a two book series. They can go back and click in the hopes that that will aid sales or read through when people finish it. So I did that. And then I tried for a book bub because that was what did so well for me at the beginning of the year. I didn't end up getting one. I ended up doing several other marketing lists, one of which I was hesitant to do. And part of me wishes that I hadn't done, but it was I had gone to see if their prices had changed because they're always more expensive than what they're worth. And the prices had gone up. And so I I backed out. Well, The way they have it is that they send you an invoice if you even investigate it. And so my concern was since they already sent me an invoice, are they automatically expecting like I didn't want to cause problems. So I ended up buying their ad and it was the most expensive one. And I think that it got very little, if no results at all, which was like. I just I just had another one that from a different person that or a different company that had zero yeah. things come from it too. It's so frustrating. Yeah. And and I, I had a sneaking suspicion that it wouldn't be anything and I should have just emailed them back and said, look, I, I turned changed my mind. I don't want to do it. You know, I, I should have just done that, but I'm still just timid enough not to. And so that one ended up being $90, which is a lot. Well, that's an expensive um, lesson. Yeah. Yeah. I just need, yeah. 
So I also did one with Booksends and Bargain Booksy, and those are pretty consistent for me. I don't remember because I don't have my Bargain Booksy is the one that didn't do well for me. That's interesting. I wonder if that's yeah. uh, genre-specific. I think it's genre-specific because I... When I do one of the Night World books with them, they don't do well. But the oh. Clean Romance does, as does Holiton. So I think it's very okay. genre specific. So one of them, I don't, again, I don't have my file open, so I don't remember which is which day. But one of them did 33 books on their day. And then the other did 43 books on their day. Which mm-hmm. sounds like a lot from our perspective, not from like the big millionaire's perspectives but since the books uh are cheaper i'm only making about 35 cents a book so yeah not a lot you're relying on people reading it because at 35 cents if they read it on kindle unlimited i am actually making more money when they read it on kindle unlimited than if they buy the book so you're relying on people to read it on kindle unlimited and you're relying on that read through So when all was said and done, I think, oh, and I also did two Amazon ads for it as well. And I did them, I set them up a little bit differently. So when all was said and done, not counting the Amazon ad, I did $240 in advertising for a five-day period. Like I advertised that the book was on sale the 18th through the 21st. I put it on sale on the 16th to make sure that it would be for sure have gone through as a price change by the 18th. And then I didn't change it back until late on the 22nd just to, you know, try and wrangle up a few last minute sales. So, looking at mm-hmm. my book report for that time period, I made $61.80. So, it's clearly not in the black. And that is without the read through, which is why I'm giving you that that number, even though we don't normally give income numbers. The reason I'm giving it is because that is the initial income number that doesn't count read through that doesn't count the tail what will happen when people have may have started reading it or added it to their Kindle unlimited read list. And they might come back and read it later. So if this did well, I should see continued sales and growth and read-throughs for another month or two. But the in, like just the initial number is in the red and you have to keep waiting to see how it did. But through that process, I had a couple people go through and buy of each book in that period minus one. Like all of the other books were bought except one. And then I've had a good chunk of read-throughs. So it wasn't a completely unsuccessful ad campaign. Uh, right. But it, it, I'm hesitant to say that it was even a moderate success yet. We'll see at like the end of January how it looks. And on top of that, I almost on a whim, since I've been listening to Stevie and all her success with Amazon ads, I ran two Amazon ads. I did it with no extra wording on it. So no captions because I don't write captions well. And I did. Yeah, that ad copy is really hard. Yeah, I've just never been good at it. I think I've done well. It's a 2021 goal skill for me. It's a a strong skill to have. Like it is really important to be able to be good at that. And so I, I ran one where I just let Amazon do however they wanted to do it. And then I did one based on categories 
And the one that Amazon mm. is doing has seen no clicks and no sales. And the one where they're like, yeah, that's been their auto ads have flatlined for me through the Christmas season too. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking it's gonna pick up again in January, but it definitely nosedived mm-hmm. all of my auto ads. Yeah, I have my ads running through the end of January just to see if it picks up after Christmas. But my category ones mm-hmm. did pretty well. The clean and wholesome romance category and the romance anthologies I've both seen clicks and purchases from. So that's good. That's pretty good for me. Uh, for an ad campaign that's only been going on for a couple of days, that's actually really good return. Yeah, that's legit. And I've only spent $2.01, which is also That's incredible. That's really good. Yeah, I am really pumped about it. And one of the things that Stevie and I both do is that we tend to take the, it's like an author ad challenge that is put on by Brian Cohen. And he does it two or three times a year. And one of the things that he says is very much the opposite about what a lot of other people say about Amazon ads. He says, don't pay more than 35 cents your ads just don't do it because if you get into a bidding war you end up paying more it's not going to be worth it and at 35 cents per click you know even if a book is 99 cents and they buy it like you can still see that turnaround at 35 cents your margins are less which is why the numbers for all of stevie's ads and my two ads are lower than what you might expect because we have set that i'm assuming stevie has also set that 35 cent cap and I have most of mine are 35 cents or under. A couple of mine are a little bit higher, but that's because I'm estimating read through. But that's a more advanced thing when you're if you have more than three books out, you can afford to have a slightly higher slightly. I'm talking little like do not listen to Amazon 75. That is ridiculous. You will you will be you will. No, don't do it, please. Yeah. So, you know, 35, 40, 45, I could afford to go a little bit higher if my read through continues to be as good as it is right now. But since I'm right out the gate doing this with the proper covers and the proper ad copy, I'm trying not to get too excited too early. So I'm keeping it lower. But but once you have books, more books in the series and you can calculate that that ad is making you actually all this much more money because people are reading through to the fifth, sixth, seventh book. That's when you bump it up. But never, 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 never in the beginning. You don't change it because the ad's doing bad. You don't change it because the ad's doing well. You leave it alone. And you don't go with their suggested bids. I made that mistake one time with, I don't even remember what I did it with, but one of the categories was running at $1.75 a click. And I try oh, to keep my no. yeah, and I try to keep my daily spend at between three and five dollars for my ads because I just I'm I'm, I'm gun shy after this particular situation because at that point I right. think I had it set for ten and that alone was eating through my budget every day and I remember thinking why am I not seeing any purchases well it was highly competitive and it was a dollar seventy five per click and I was just oh it it really did me in so I stuck with Brian Cohen's method of 35 cents I'll occasionally bump it up if it is a category or a keyword that I think I'm very strong in but I don't go above 55 cents I just don't because you were saying that it was highly competitive and their suggested bid was a dollar 75 and one of the things that people misunderstand is that that means that that's how much it's going to cost to show up in there. And that's not it at all. 
you can still be viewable in there at a much lower bid, but because it's highly competitive, they suggest you go higher. That's not necessarily in the favor of the author, because you have to remember, we're not the only ones in these back back alley platforms, you know, doing peddling our goods and our wares. All of the big publishers that are working through Amazon, all of the indie publishers that are working through Amazon are doing the same things we're doing. They don't, you know, and they're they're doing it with different budgets. Suggesting to the little guy at buck 75 seems... Yeah, just don't don't think that that's in the best interest for you as the indie author. That's totally in Amazon's best interest and some people can do it. But yeah. if you're having to listen, like if you're listening to our podcast to figure out how to advertise, please don't go by their suggested <laughs> bid because it's not the time in your career to do that if you're looking to me for advice. Yeah. Well, I know that <sighs> one of the one of the problems that the shifter romance people run into is that some of their keywords mm-hmm. overlap with yeah. real world animal project or product keywords yeah <laughs> and then you know then you're going up against places like i don't know petco or kibbles and bits and stuff like that and they can afford right? way more than you can that's where the ad copy comes in really handy because one of the biggest changes i saw in my advertising was when i figured out how to use that keyword section and how to put those keywords into the description of the book as well in a way that still tells the reader that the purpose of it is to tell the reader what they're going to read and you're using things that the reader might look for and we all know that but I don't know about you when I first started looking at keywords for ads I thought "Ooh, you know dragon or dragon shifter that's what you put in the keywords for that particular book and while that might be true for the ads when you're talking about like the actual data the metadata for your book That's not how that section operates. Uh, My description describes her as a princess on the run. Mm -hmm. But I never would have thought princess on the run would be in the keyword section because I hadn't thought of like keyword phrases so much or that tropes. Tropes are a really good thing to put in there. So enemies to lovers. And when you put it in your metadata, it affects the ads too because it affects what you're in. And it's so weird. I hadn't even thought about that, putting the the tropes in the keywords. Oh my gosh, I just now I just now started it like a week ago and I'm having so much fun. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed our discussion on advertising, especially during the holiday season, which is a unicorn in and of itself. Before we say goodbye for this episode, what book recommendation have you got for the nice people, Stevie? I've been waiting for this day. I've been waiting for this day for a little while, and I've only touched this book once while I was waiting, but it has lots of highlights in it. Um, Today, my recommendation is Story Genius, How to Use Brain Science to Go Beyond Outlining and Write a Riveting Novel by Lisa Cron. If that wasn't, like, written as a love letter to me, I don't know what is. That whole title was just a love letter to me. How to use brain science to go beyond outlining and writing. Yes, I'm here for it. Give me. I am having the best time with it. It's like someone said, hey, you know all those things you've said about stories, why you love your job, why you do this, why it feeds your soul. You're right. And science agrees. And also here are some hacks is what I think is about to come next, but I'm not that far into the book. I'm only I'm getting into chapter two right now. And chapter two's title is called Myth Galore. Everything we were taught about writing is wrong. 
Ooh. Anyway, I am having a really great time with it. It's going really well with the show that I'm watching, which is Myths and Legends on Netflix. I love everything about the psychology of storytelling. And I no. hope that I actually read this book all the way through so I can write even more thrilling stories. I'm glad you're excited about it. Me too. Everyone needs to be excited about something, right? For sure. I'm excited about anything that's not edit. <laughs> What book are you recommending today? I am recommending, and I think I haven't recommended this before, The Dispatcher by John, I think it's Scalzi. It's uh, the audiobook is how I was introduced to these stories. And they are done by Zachary Quinto, who plays Spock on the Star Trek reboots, which is, I was just like, how interesting. And that's why I started listening to it. The premise, one day, murder no longer kills people. So when someone is murdered 999 times out of a thousand, they come back to life perfectly uninjured in their own home or a safe space if their home isn't a safe space for them to come back to life. And because of this, accidental deaths, suicides, things like that still kill people. So there's this whole like government branch that runs these people called dispatchers and these people's job is among other things, to wait in hospitals. And when surgeries start to go bad, they come in and murder the patient so the patient can pop Regenerate. back. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And so people hate dispatchers, especially the doctors, because, you know, the dispatcher having to come in means that you have failed. So right. it, it creates this, like, really downtrodden, almost anti-hero effect. And the second one just came out recently and I listened to it in like a day and a half because they're only like between three and four hours to listen to. But it's really fascinating to listen to how this uh, author built the world and created the characters. That is so fascinating. Yeah, it, it has a lot of psychology in it, whether intentional or not, that is an undercurrent in the story. And I, I really appreciate that. I, I love when that's artfully done. Yeah, me too. And I think that puts us at the end of our episode. And our next episode, barring nothing wonky happening in the author world, will put us right back on track with our usual three episode schedule. Until then, happy reading, guys. Bye. Bye.